Hey you guys, welcome to the show. Uh, today we got Phil Parsons, a uh, guy I met down at Band of Runners, it, uh, a charity that gets veterans from all over the country to come down and run in the Texas Hill Country. Just an awesome, awesome uh, organization, bandrunners.org if you guys are interested. Phil tells the story of uh, a couple, it's a pretty dark, deep story, a couple of suicide attempts and how running really, really made a difference. And he's going to do this this huge effort, the Natchez Trace route from Nashville, Tennessee, to Natchez, Mississippi. It's 440 miles. He's got a great crew out there. And for anybody who's like just trying to figure out if, if running long distances is, is for them, this is a, a great little chat. It was, it was pretty laid back. It was the day before he was starting this effort. I think, there's, uh, I think he was definitely thinking about all the logistics and stuff, but he, he shares the story of serving in the military and how he found running and how his finger didn't work uh, one fateful night in, in a really positive and in, in, in good way. And uh, he, he's an open book. He's willing to share it. Um, his journey has been pretty amazing. He paced me on some, some miles of my 100-miler last November that I did down there at the camp. And just an awesome human being. You guys can follow him on philruns.com and Unbridled unbridledrunning.com as well and we talk about all that stuff on the show but anyway i just thought you know season 14 is here and some people are trying to decide if if running these long distances is for them and uh this is just a good reminder that it actually is for pretty much everyone so enjoy welcome to the becoming ultra show where everyday people train to do extraordinary things like run really really far we have been building a community since 2015, and no matter how long you've been listening, thank you so much for being here. You can learn more or get involved at becomingultra.com. I am famous. Hey, what is up, everybody? We got Phil, Philip Parsons, Phil Parsons. Uh, everything I'm writing says Philip, and then I'm like, wait, I know this dude is Phil, but we're going to go with Phil today. Uh, he's got a crazy effort coming up. Uh, Natchez Trace route, I think that's how you say it. 444 miles, point to point road effort. Um, I'm going to get a lot more details from him today on the show. He's got an interesting background. I met Phil, well, I've met Phil a handful of times, but primarily through the Band of Runners trail camp that we do down in Texas with Liza Howard and, and a bunch of the group down there. Um, she was my connection to the group, and it's just been a, it's always a, a really fun and inspiring weekend. We get uh, a lot of veterans come out and connect them to nature and connect them to the running community and, and try to find better ways to, um, you know, build community outside in, in a healthy way and in a positive way. So we've been doing that for years and uh, Phil got to pace me on some miles. I did a hundred mile, my first hundred miler out there in the, in the dumbest way you can ever do a hundred miler uh, I've deemed since that is a dumb way to do it. You don't just start your watch and go until you get to a hundred. That's just dumb, but that's what I did anyway. And Phil was there to share some miles in the morning. It was really nice to have somebody to hang out with. And uh, yeah, we're going to dive. He's got an interesting story. He's he's doing this this effort for a cause. Um, he's got he's got a lot of experience with, with the subject matter, and we're going to dive in. So that's my introduction. Phil, how you doing, man? Man, Scott, I'm doing pretty good. I I remember that hundred miler, walking back and forth at that point. You know, just back down the field and back. You know, back it's and so forth. Stupid. Back and forth. Well, there's you know like at at night, the trails were pretty muddy that last year, um, and I yeah. didn't want to lose a lot of time. And I was after fifty miles, I started carrying weight, and I didn't. I knew I wasn't going to be pounding. I know I was just going to be power hiking a lot of it. 
So yeah. uh, towards the end, people were just kind of taking turns, hanging out with me. And, and there's this one little, you know, we're in the, in the Texas Hill Country. We're in this, there's this one little patch of grass. It was the softest ground within miles. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this just feels so good on my legs compared to, like, the the dirt roads and the and the hard pack trails. So, yeah, I was going back well, and forth. I think forth. it was, like, one one of the safest and, and, and flattest places in that area as well. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, there's water crossings. Well, like, oh, but yeah. it was, it was psychotic. If you look at my route, it's just like going back and forth for like four hours on this little 70 yard patch of grass. It was hilarious. And you were there for a lot of it, but that's a cool, mem- that's a cool memory for sure, man. Um, and yeah, I, I don't even know if I've talked to you about how, how did you get to know Liza and the crew and get connected with band runners and everything? Yeah, so the way I met Liza is um, I had um, I graduated uh, school after the military, went back to school and um, graduated uh, graduate school, and um, and then uh, as part of my graduation present, I guess my my wife had emailed this guy in Alaska she somehow come across that he had a running camp and so uh, and then there was a um, you could sign up for scholarships um, in that and so you know being a grad student and, and having you know applied for all kinds of scholarships at the point at that point um, uh, you know that was um, something we applied for I got up there, um, and, and, uh, the guy, I had no idea who the guy was, but, um, Jeff Rose, you, you may have heard of him yep. and, uh, apparently, apparently everybody's heard of him except for me. And, uh, you know, <laughs> I had really, no idea. Well, he was really popular. Like, I don't know, probably 10 to 12, 15 years ago, he, he was killing it on the, on the ultra running scene and he's the last mm-hmm. guy and he put, I think he put on some races up there or something. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, and I had no idea. Um, and so I, I was up there with him and Joe Grant and, and, um, you know, up until that point, you know, there had been really no, uh, coaching, there'd been no, you know, I was just, I was just running and, and trying to figure it out on my own. Um, you know, and here and there you get tips and, you know, tricks from other people or something you'd see in a magazine. But, uh, so, um, after that camp, you know, um, you know, he, he, uh, he was really digging, you know, this, um, you know, me, you know, my new approach to life and all that stuff. And so he, apparently what, what I found out was Liza was looking for people to go to camp. And so, um, she had reached out to Jeff. Jeff said he knew me. And, um, so that's, that's how I met Liza. And, uh, I think we went to the first camp I went to, um, was out there in Virginia. And, um, I said, you know, I was like, Hey, Liza, this is something pretty cool. Um, you know, and, and I don't know if you have need, uh, but I just graduated uh, from, you know, as with a master's in social work and be a social worker or therapist, you know, eventually, I don't know if you need, have a need for that or if that's anything I can plug in, but I really, you know, me being a veteran, um, want to help other vets and I shared a little bit of my story and and then you know and for whatever reason she keeps bringing me back and so um nice yes and uh, you know I got to build a community um you know being part of that community helping other veterans 
other veterans helping me, um, getting, I mean, uh, kind of get, getting um, linked up with resources, I guess. It, it really uh, empowered me to do, you know, bigger and better things. Yeah, yeah for sure. There's a lot of learning. Mm -hmm. A lot of learning, but there's, you know, people there that, uh, you know, help me along with it. You know, some, you know, some people hit me over the head with it. And so, you know, it's just defense, you know, I oh, needed yeah. all of it. So, yeah. yeah. So I kind of wanted to go into a little more of the early life story, <clears throat> you know, kind of what led you up to where you are now and why you're going to go do this crazy run tomorrow. It just happens to be, which is hilarious. <laughs> I think it's great. Get a little that nervous yeah. energy out of you. Um, so where'd you grow up, man? So I, I grew up, um, in Rockford, Illinois. It's, um, not too far away from Chicago, maybe, maybe an hour, half, two hours, uh, away from Chicago. Uh, it may be all look like one big city these days, but, um, yeah. So, so, uh, you know, the, uh, Northern, Northern Illinois, um, grew up there, um, Kind of had a real isolated childhood. A lot of uh, there's some interesting stuff there. You know, kind of grew, I grew up in like a religious type cult, um, and so you know, I was uh, I was constantly looking for my own way, I guess. Um, and uh, so after you know, after leaving there, went you know, joined the military, and uh, ended up in down in Fort Campbell. And, uh, you know, that kind of started the whole, um, you know, within a couple of years of, of being at Fort Campbell that, you know, everything shifted. Um, was there, we went to Campbell in 99 and, and then, you know, 2001 and, you know, here we are, September 11th of, of that year. So, uh, you know, and that, that changed a whole lot of things. Uh, so I, I have a, I have a new rule. I just started five seconds ago for the podcast. Anytime somebody mentions cult, I have to go back and ask questions because that's going to be oh, kind oh, of yeah. okay. kind of interesting there. So, yeah, did you have any siblings? Yes, I did. I or I still do. I have um, two brothers and two sisters, so there are five of us. Yep. Okay, but you said you felt kind of isolated growing up. So, what was the dynamics there? I'm just kind of curious. What, what was this, the cult feeling, and what was the uh, you know, with so many other siblings, like, where's the isolation? Okay, yeah. So, um, so I, I don't know if you've ever, if you've watched that series on Amazon um, with the uh, happy shiny people. I have, I have not, but I've, I know what it is. Yeah, you've heard of it. Yeah, uh -huh. yeah. So I, I was, uh, well, I, I didn't, I had no clue who the, um, who the Duggars were or anything like that. Um, but it does it does make a nice frame of reference. But I very I knew a whole lot about uh, who Bill Gothard was, and uh, and my parents were there. I don't know, you know, every couple of weekends, his place was in you know outside right outside of Chicago, and so it was a you know ninety minute drive probably from our house, and so um, that that his thing was this. Um, Independent fundamental Baptist Bible only, and everybody should be homeschooled, and uh, and so that's where the isolation came in. There was no um, you know, being homeschooled. It was only me and my younger brother. Um, 
my other two sisters were pulled out of school. I, I don't, I don't know if they both ever went back to school or not. Um, they, um, uh, my oldest brother, um, left, you know, as, as soon as he could. Um, and so it was just me and my younger brother, um, we're pretty, when I say isolated, I mean, it was, you know, the, the majority of anything outside of the house was church. Yeah. And so I, I don't know anything. Um, you know, uh, there was no TV, uh, radios were kind of, you know, they were monitored to, you know, like your classical stations. And then, the, you know, um, the one Christian radio station, um, even was the, you know, some of the, the they had too much of a beat in their music. So we, you know, we weren't even allowed to listen to the Christian station. So yeah, there you go. Oh, wow. That's crazy. Did it feel, did it feel like a negative thing when you were growing up or did. Uh, That's a yes. Yes. And no. Um, there, there's some events that, that did happen early, early in, in my life that, um, you know, like, um, you know, I, I didn't know that, you know, now as a social worker, you know, it, it <laughs> I would have, you know, very quickly reported it as child abuse. Um, yeah. But I did, you know, I didn't know then. All I, all I knew then was I didn't, you know, didn't, didn't like it, didn't know, and I couldn't understand why, um, you know, like my parents would make excuses for, for other people or, you know, um, I was, I was always questioning things as well. It's like that didn't work out very well when I was younger. Um, and it, you know, it just, it really, what it did, it led to more anger and frustration, um, you know, simply because I wasn't heard. I didn't understand. Um, and none of the stuff made sense. Um, and, and then, you know, and now and then you, you would kind of figure out that it's, that there is more out there and, and, and you just didn't understand what, you know, the, you know, what, what was so bad about, about this and versus, you know, this. And, and so there was a lot of, a lot of just blind obedience and that's what they expected from me. And I wasn't that type of a person. And so, um, I mean, so I got sent off to boys' homes. Uh, you know, of course, keep in mind these are Christian ones, and they're you know rigid, strict. Um, and so, you know, the first chance I got to see the world was the military. You know, I tried a few other things um, too, but um, I, I just didn't really fit. If that makes any sense, like I didn't have enough of the outside of the world, outside world, I guess, um, to fit in or to, you know, to even really hold down a, a job, um, you know, more than, you know, you know, something simple. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. how, and, how old are you? <clears throat> Wait, how old are you now, Phil? I don't even know. I don't even know how old you are. Yeah. So I'm 44 now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're the same age. I just turned 45 last month. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so just for timelines, because like 2001, you know, 9 11 mm -hmm. happened, and that's 2023 or whatever. Uh, so we're in the same same group. Did you, so, what age were you when you went to the military? So I was 18 going on 19. Um, yeah. I went, um, so I would have gone in, in um, 
November of 97. I originally joined the National Guard uh, in my hometown. Um, you know, again, I didn't, um, and, and, the, and the reason for that was, and then I joined the, the infantry, um, it was such a low score on what they call an AS, ASVAB test. Um, and it wasn't that I, you know, it really felt, made me kind of feel um, um, unintelligent, but it wasn't that. It was just, um, you know, I just didn't know, um, I didn't know algebra. I didn't know anything, you know, other than your times and, you know, division stuff. I didn't know anything else. Um, well, that homeschooling did not, uh, did not serve you well, huh? <laughs> well, you can only rise to, you know, to the extent of, you know, whoever's trying to um, instruct you or teach you in some forms. And, you know, and it didn't help that my parents um, didn't, you know, my dad didn't, didn't, I think his, he completed eighth or ninth grade and that was it, you know? Right. Um, and he could barely read or write. So, I, yeah. you know, and, and um, do better, definitely better. Um, but, you know, she'd never been to college. And, you know, that was, you know, coming for them. They, they all, they were, their parents came out of the, the Great Depression. And so it was, yeah. Well, it's just, just funny. I'm just thinking about, like, I have two boys. They're 12 and 9. And I'm just thinking about if I was to teach my kids math. Like, I, I was a great student. And I, I did well in math, mm -hmm. but I couldn't teach it right now. There's no way in hell. <laughs> uh -huh, like, uh -huh. I'm just trying to think me getting my kids ready for the, for, for higher education or the next level. Yeah. There would definitely be some confidence issues in those yeah. boys, knowing what, what I could give them and, uh, or my wife. And it's just, uh, yeah, it's, it's a funny conversation for sure. Um, yeah. I, I, no, I just think this background, like just painting, um, that's an interesting upbringing, man. Like, I think military was probably good for you. What, what was there a culture shock when you went to boot camp? Like, what was the, what was, your, what were some of your first memories in the military? Yeah, well, yeah, boot camp was was interesting. Um, going to Fort Benning, uh, which now Fort Moore, apparently, um, but uh, you know that's that's where I went to boot camp. Um, you know, the only, uh, the only. Um, inside I had to boot camp or foresight was, was, um, a, a, another veteran, um, had showed me the movie full metal jacket just before I left. I was like, Oh, <laughs> you know, but it's too late by then. So, um, yeah, that's a really good way to get you in there. <laughs> so I, I remember, you know, going into this map, you know, maps at, at, the uh, then Fort Benning and, and, um, you know, um, you know, years later, I would end up, in, you know, doing some instruction there as well. But, um, you know, you know, getting your head shaved, um, I think I think the earliest memories is is like, man, we, we hurry up just to turn around and, and wait an awful lot. You know, <laughs> yeah, there is. And, uh, you know, that, 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 you know, for any of us veterans the hurry up and wait game it, um, or with the government, it just doesn't ever seem to change. Um, and so, yeah, so hur hurry up and wait, hurry up and wait. Um, and then, you know, this, they just had this process, you know, down, you know, for, go through the line to get, you know, clothes that fit you and uniforms and, and then, yeah. And then we showed up at our unit and I, I mean, I remember that, that, um, you know, the, the cattle cars is what they call them. You know, they just 
you know, smashed you into these, um, these, these semi trucks that had, um, you know, a version of a cattle, uh, trailer and, and then, and you, you're getting off of these with all of this new gear that you have, not knowing exactly how to use it. Um, and then, you know, with all these drill sergeants running around, just yelling at everything that you do. And <laughs> yeah, so that, that was, that was the, uh, the most interesting, um, moment but you know it, it, i don't know that wasn't that wasn't a, a huge uh, a huge shock i guess you know i you know lived with everybody yelling at everything that you did so you know it wasn't wasn't that big a, of a shock um and so I, I actually did fairly well um in boot camp and you know early on so yeah yeah so <sighs> Talking about military to the extent that it kind of gives us the, a good background on why you're doing some of the stuff you're doing now. Uh, how yeah. how long did you serve? You know, deployments. Just kind of a basic history. I'd love to kind of have yeah. you. So it was, I was a little over a year and a half in the in the National Guard and went active, and all that combined is like 13 years and about four months or something like that um, in the military. And uh, the reason I'm here today is, you know, when we came back from Iraq, um, you know, it was, I think going into Iraq and all that stuff, you know, I think we we're pretty prepared for, you know, war combat, at least that's, that's how I feel. Um, you know, and, and during that, you know, that first year in, in, in combat and in country and, you know, everything went from bad to worse. I mean, you know, it, in there and dealing with that that didn't not that stuff didn't bother me too much um i think you know i think the things that bothered me was you know uh, like uh you know looking back on it now is you know like coming home and uh you know just a few days ago you're you know you have crowds in front of you that aren't that aren't necessarily friendly and and then now you're you're leading soldiers off of a plane into a, a crowd of people and you don't want to be there. You know, it, you, like you, you have spent the last year giving everything um, to be home and then you get home and you, all of a sudden it's not safe either, if that makes sense. And, and, uh, and, you know, so I started noticing some of these things showing up and I was getting, you know, getting very, very angry very quickly um, and that kind of grew out of control until, uh, you know, September 23rd of, uh, 2006. And, and, uh, that was like my last, uh, suicide attempt. And so, um, you know, after that, uh, you know, I, I kind of used running kind of didn't know what else to do. Um, uh, you know, just used running as, as a as a vehicle to do something. To, uh, and um, you know, yeah, Phil, let me stop you really quick. So, oh, so, yeah. Yeah. so going, go you know, going to serve overseas and then coming back and just feeling kind of torn and not knowing what's going on in in your head. And uh, and now you have this background in social work and in therapy. And <clears throat> if you if you could go back and look at yourself, what was actually going on? Like what? What were some of the symptoms that you're you're going through? What were some of the feelings you had? I, I think you know using a platform like this to 
to give people some ideas of, of red flags in their lives or the people they love lives. Um, yeah. What was going on back then before, before we get into the running stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, it's good. Uh, so, I mean, I, I think, you know, when we first came home, you know, that was, it was, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't know anything about PTSD, but now, now, you know, we look back and, um, you know, as a social worker, you know, when I, when I talk about PTSD now, you know, it's in, in the DSM, it's um, under the, you know, stress-induced um, section of, of, the, of the DSM, the Diagnostic Manual. And, um, and so for PTSD, you know, we, we often talk about trauma or somebody's reaction to um, either knowing, witnessing, or seeing, experiencing some sort of uh, traumatic event. And, and, you know, we can't really decipher you know, like my trauma versus yours, because we're in different bodies. So what we look at is, is, is some of the signs and symptoms. And, and, um, you know, so, uh, you know, for me, um, when I was going through um, divorce, um, you know, after coming back home, you know, like, I wasn't sleeping, I'd go, I don't know, days without sleep. Um, I, I was blacking out, um, you know, I'd get, had severe mood swings, couldn't stand to be around, um, crowds, the, um, one, one thing that was, it might, it might sound, it's kind of funny now, um, but, uh, you know, I, I couldn't stand to stop at stop signs <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, Go, what were you saying? I was saying, were you just get you were just antsy and impatient? Is that just the irritability? Thing? No, no, you, you just didn't stop at stop signs over there. You know, if you did, that's a target. You know, you wanted to roll through everything. Yeah, and you didn't never stop. And so, uh, you know, like, <laughs> you know, we get off the airplane, and, and you know, my parents are taking me up um, up to Bowling Green, um, and uh, they thought it would be a good idea if I drove. You know, I think I scared him to death. Uh, you know, it's, I uh, when I got off post, it was you know all over the road. You know, flooring it through stops. You know, and it, I, I laugh about it, but that was just um, you know that was that was normal life for a year, and and so all of a sudden, within a, you know a few hours, you know, I was expected to change my whole behavior pattern that kept me safe for a year and that had been built on years of training and then years of prior experience and, and um, I was expected within a couple of hours to shift from that this thing that kept me alive to whatever normal life was in the United States and obeying traffic laws and you know not and 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 I couldn't you know, uh, noises, you know, loud noises would set me off. Uh, we transferred down to Fort Benning and, you know, my buddies, I, I tell this story in, in my buddy's house that I was staying at at the time. I was, um, we were staying on post. We just happened to be staying, but close to this uh, firing range on main post that they have everything that they possibly could have, at least, you know, on Fort Benning. And they, they have a demonstration every now and then. 
we just happened to be that day and uh, driving by and that whole range lit up and, uh, you know, me and my truck went, you know, over the road, through the median, up the over the other road, you know, into the, you know, the housing complex. And, you know, we didn't hit anything, obviously, but, you know, just we we're gone, you know, you know, just reacting. And then um, and the next day he did the same thing. So, yeah. um, you know, it, it, it's laughable now, but, it, you know, at that point, the and I mean, and even still. I think one of the biggest things for me is, is, you know, when you get, when we say triggered, right. But when, when your brain gets shifted to this hyper arousal or hyper alertness where you, everything inside you feels like you're being threatened, right. What do you do? And, you know, so I would, you know, my go-to was to use um, extreme anger, you know, that, that, did great and then you get back home and anger doesn't work and it starts destroying you know everything that you have and you know you you tried alcohol or you know whatever else you might try and that doesn't work it doesn't really numbs it for a little bit and and so you know what you're left is you know this this just flat affect where you know you're this stoicness like where you 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 can't feel because if you feel you know it's all that overwhelming negativity at first you know and and so i i had no clue that that you know you would have to go through like i mean we let's let's make it really simple like i had no clue at that point that i'd have to go through a night to, to experience the sunrise the next day right Yep. I was like, where's that, where's that light at? I, I don't have it. Where is it? Okay. Something must be wrong with me. Everybody's complaining about my behavior. Well, all right. So the easiest way to, to remedy that so they don't have to deal with me and my, my pathetic self is to, you know, end my life. Right. It, it was, it was more because I was worried that they had to take care of me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, on and your site, I was going to say on your site, on, uh, and if you guys are listening, unbridledrunning.com, the 444 kind of takes, takes you into the, the world that we're talking about. But you you write in pretty good detail uh, about trying to take your life. Um, uh, there's alcohol involved. There's a gun involved. There's a trigger finger that wasn't working involved. Yeah. <laughs> um, that was, let me tell you, that was so weird. Like, I, I don't know how many times I pulled the trigger and I, for whatever reason, I couldn't. And I cannot tell you how much of a failure I felt like. I could not get my finger to work. <laughs> well, thankfully. And, and yeah, like, and that's how crazy, you know, any kind of stress disorder. Like, the, the idea that your body and your mind is in a place uh, running at a thousand percent when it needs to be running at about 20% in perpetuity which is kind of how i'm describing ptsd in the way that you've kind of framed it right now and clinically maybe that's not right but that's kind of how i'm seeing it um man it's just it's just wild that your body and your mind thinks you need to be in a certain place and it just isn't and and uh i don't know before before going i have lots of family in the military and and have who have served and friends who've served like just tons like 
it's why it's why i like to give back for this camp and why it's such an important part of uh my year and and even just having these conversations with you but the idea that you could get the gun that close to your head mm-hmm. and and try and, and in your mind's eye try and the fact that your subconscious or whatever the heck happened that day when you couldn't when you couldn't pull the trigger uh man it's a blessing and it's crazy and it's it's uh probably why we're we're talking today because it seems like and then the reason this background is so important is because it, it pulls us to why you you run and why it's such an important thing and how we've met because my whole life has been coaching athletes and runners and stuff um but yeah the alcohol wasn't doing the trick the suicide attempts weren't doing the trick and i think this is where your kind of running journey begins in a lot of ways so what happens after yeah. that 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 attempt did you go find did you go find therapy or did you go seek your own therapy out or was running the thing? Like, I, I'd love to hear, you know, a few minutes about that. And then I want to talk about this freaking effort that you're about to undergo tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, trying to real quick is, um, you know, there was, you know, more than one attempt. Um, I had already been um, sent to anger management and again, I just didn't know. I didn't know that that was uh, anger management. It was also therapy. Um, you know, I ended up in the ER after one of them. Um, and I realized, you know, um, I realized I could just, you know, t- say I was good and they would let me go. Um, and um, so that's this next one, you know, after that. And, and the, you know, my finger not working, I was, you know, what, what do I do? I, I, you know, there's, I have to do something if this is not working, you know, and I, I didn't know that, you know, enough with enough time, all these feelings were going to change, but at that point, but, um, you know, what all, you know, I just kept hearing these voices of, you know, people telling me how bad I was, how, what a failure I was. And, and, you know, there was this one about, you know, you're, you're not going to get off the couch. You're failing PT. You're, you know, you're just not, you're, you can't run. And I took that one. You can't run. Yeah. And I went to the park, you know, um, like that next day. And um, you're right. I was, I was struggling to do two miles. It was kind of like, you know, run a hundred yards and walk or try to walk um, and run a hundred more. And, and then somewhere in there, you know, got the two miles done. And that was probably one of the hardest things uh, I did. And, um, but I felt just a slight bit better. And so the next day I did it again and I did it again. And then, then it, that turned into sometimes running two, two three times a day. And um, um you know, after, after all that, I started putting distance on. I mean, I, I can remember the first time I did eight miles. It was, a, it was, um, you know, at dusk and I just kept running circles. The park supposed to close at, you know, at dusk and I just running circles through the woods, you know, and, and I hit eight miles and I was amazed. I think the longest run I had done in the military is like seven miles or something like that. And, and so um, I kind of kept, kept going and um, somebody uh, mentioned I should do a marathon 
And uh, so somewhere around uh, 119 days after that, that suicide attempt or that last one, um, you know, I did my first marathon. And uh, that's when I, I kind of, that, that kind of put me on this idea. Well, if, if I can do that and I thought I couldn't, what else, what else could yeah. I do? Yeah. That's a question uh, we try to get as many people as possible to ask themselves in my world. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's that's the question. Like once once you start asking a question like that, you 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 take back your power. Yeah, right? you, you take you empower yourself, and and um, you take the limit. You know, you take those limits off of yourself once you start asking that question, and. Um, you know, I didn't really realize that that's what I was doing then, but that that's exactly what I was doing. And, uh, you know, that, that marathon turned into, you know, 50 K a couple months later, you know, that, that turned into a, a running group. Um, and then, you know, the miles just kept increasing and, um, uh, you know, and there, there was ups and downs and, and figuring it out. And there's a lot of failures and DNFs along the way, <laughs> you know, and, and, uh, but that's good. I mean, failure is only failure. That's where you stop, you know? So this, this new running world in life for you kind of gave you, you know, we know exercise is medicine to an extent. It, it does a lot for our physiology, for our physiology, both physically and mentally. That, that's, that's been proven beyond reasonable doubt, uh, obviously. Um, but then again, it seems like it gave you some structure too. It gave you some friendships and some community that you're you're kind of looking for. Uh, is that right? I think I think you, yeah, you know, I think you know, uh, you know, the the friendships that you can have, in, in especially in the ultra running community. Um, you know, that's I what gravit what allowed me to gravitate towards that was was it was similar to the camaraderie that you found in the military because you grew together because there was some sort of communal suffering, right? And, and you know, that trail or the whatever, whatever it was, you know, that was the, the equalizer. Everybody had to do it. Everybody had to experience how tough that was. It didn't really matter your level of fitness or ability or skill. It, you know, it all, all, it just leveled it all out. And, and so, you know, everybody's dealing with their own stuff. And, um, and what the interesting thing about ultra running was, what I noticed is even these, these people that were winning the races were hanging around the start, start finish lines and, cheering everybody else on or they would come back out on the course and you know try to help you out or I, I mean i still remember the amazement of somebody giving me salt capsules one you know i'm cramping like you know and i have no idea what's going on he's like you need to take some salt and and uh, um yeah so it's it's that's that's what really drew me in in and and you know started developing you know friendships but also the thing that was so wonderful for me is it created a safe space where I could start processing. Yeah. You know, I could, and, and the thing was too, is it gave me, you know, being out 
in the woods. I could, I have this thing. I, I don't know if I showed you at camp or even talked about it at camp. I like to high five trees and uh, high five trees. Oh, I do and, that all the time, uh, dude. It's so weird. Do you do that all the time? Okay. So, so here's, here's me. I, I love to do that. I'm in this, I look at it as like, I'm in this reciprocal relationship with the tree, you know, I'm breathing out this crap and, you know, they're eating it up and giving me the oxygen. Right. <laughs> and so I go high five and I'm thanking for this on the way. And, and every time I do it, right. I smile. I can't help but smile when I high five a tree. And, um, but that just, you know, the thing of it is, is, Eventually, it allowed me to remember the little kid that I, before anything ever happened that used to love those few times that he would get alone in the woods. Yeah. And when I was able to reconnect with that person there, I mean, I, it took, it must have taken years of being in the woods, but to reconnect with myself. But um, when I was able to do that, then I was able to start doing a lot of lot of the other work, yeah. and uh, and then the running just was the vehicle that you know allowed me to slow my brain down enough to to do it. I I heard a I heard a guy give a speech one time. <clears throat> He's talking about the importance of play, and he said that the opposite of oh, there's my dog. I always think somebody's breaking mm -hmm. my house when a stupid dog comes in here. Um, the opposite of. Uh, play is not work the opposite of play is depression and that yeah. just always yeah. that always makes it because you know in like adults we spend our we spend so much of our time looking down at our feet and looking down on the ground instead of looking up to the sky and seeing what what all is around us and i remember a couple of years ago i was putting on a trail camp out in the desert kind of near where i live now and every rock that i ran by i would just like kind of touch it and like run my hand yeah. and there's a guy yeah. who i'm good friends with now he was lat it's like what is wrong with you dude it's like i just like to know the temperature of the rocks that that, that, are, that i'm around yeah. they're nice and cool yeah. right now in the morning and in about three hours they're going to be 115 degrees you know <laughs> so it's just like <laughs> the little things that you do that just become a habit um <laughs> i love high five and trees too i guess we're just yeah. weirdos you know <laughs> hey yeah that's okay i yeah. love it yeah i mean I, I would rather be this version of, of whatever a weirdo is than that depressed person <laughs> absolutely on the couch well and like being your true self like it's it's huge man um yeah. all right we have this route but but i'm afraid i, I don't want to run out of time on the route it's something we can talk about a lot uh during and after but but by, by the and i don't know if you know these numbers but by the numbers like ptsd for, for your brothers and sisters that served like what is there a percentage is there a number we can put to it like do we know how many people suffer from this is it you know, I, th I the last the last number that I have in my head was you know somewhere around you know thirteen percent, but you know that's. But we also have to think of here we are for the first time in our history in finishing the longest war in our history. Yeah, and. The flip side of that that we should remember is unlike any other war, you know, like if we look if we look at like World War II, I think it's somewhere around eleven percent of the US population served in World War II. Some in yeah. some capacity, some form. Um, I don't remember what it was in Korea and Vietnam, it was down to like um, somewhere between seven to nine percent. 
right? And then, and then you get into, um, you know, my conflict, and you're looking at a half a half a percentage of half a percentage of of a, you know, of one percent. So it's, you have like you know, point oh five percent of those of the U.S. population served, and of that was time and time again on deployment after deployment after deployment and and so you know so we think you know i know i said 13 percent, but that just doesn't really represent the you know the the you know the people that actually are struggling like ptsd is one of those things especially for those that see combat that it's has a delayed reaction you right. may not know even notice it may be a couple of years after you're out that you start noticing like oh that's what that was and you know that's why i can't sleep at night that's why i still have dreams um because the other thing of it ptsd is you you just you not so much that it's a type of disassociation where you you have to block this thing out right you can't just remember that this is the thing that always sets you off you you, you may not know but your brain knows it's like like your brain knows that if I was to yell bear, we have a, you know, a value on, on that word bear that, you know, well, that's probably dangerous, right? So we should react. And so your brain is always searching for these things that it should react to. And that's, you know, and that's these triggers, right? And so I think once one of the things we have to, you know, be aware of is, you know, our brain is looking for these triggers. We are, you know, us in the military, we're, we're trained to look for for threats and so we see them more often than anybody else sees them and so we're more likely to be you know triggered whether it's our own doing or, or somebody else's and um so it's, it's really hard to put a number on that stuff it's just yeah bad. no it's just curiosity <laughs> all right man so uh two more things for this call i just want you to lay out and i and, and you know a lot of these things that just kind of come, come up with as we're talking but Lay out what the 444 is. I, I know that's a route that goes from Nashville down to Natchez, Mississippi. Um, it sounds like if you finish it, you'll have FKT because there are no other. <laughs> so you're going to do that. Yeah. But I yeah. think like after you finish this thing, I want to I want to talk about the adventure of it when you're done yeah. instead, of, instead of painting a picture of what you think is going to happen because we both know you can plan your face off. And it doesn't matter until you get out there. So this has been a theme yeah, of yeah. a lot of these calls. Yeah. So I'd love to hear a little bit about that for a few minutes and then um, just get a little love to some, some, some of your, your brothers or sisters that you've lost. And, and uh, I always like to throw, throw names out there and, and um, you know, keep, keep them in our minds and our, in our thoughts and our hearts and everything. Cause that's important too. So let's hear about that. Let's hear about the 444, man. Um, so yeah, 444. Um, again, I don't think we we may not have mentioned it yet. It's uh you know we we've got the uh, philruns.com. It's on there. I know you already mentioned my website as well. And the 444 is um, it starts on the southern tip of Nashville and then ends in Natchez, Mississippi. Uh, I'm gonna start tomorrow about uh, 6 a.m. and um, we're looking to do about 40 miles a day south, um, and then um, and uh, finish in 11 days. Um, and then the, the nobody's gone south, so I will be the first one to um, have the record attempt of going south. There's been two people that went north, um, 
and uh, that'll be the first one going south. So you know, uh, you know, and that's and that's part of the thing. I think going back into the story was, um, you know, just had to just have to do it. You know, just have to do some of the work, right? You, yeah, I can. And then you get it. You get the little prize at the end, or whatever it is, or or maybe the prize is the process. Um, but yeah, so it's it's uh, about forty miles a day. It's it's on the road, um, or right on the soft shoulder, and um, that's like the quick and dirty. There there yeah. is um, all, yeah. That's cool, man. Uh, what's the longest you've done to date? Like, what's how much longer will this be? Oh, so the longest that I've ever gone is about 108 miles in one effort, I guess. Um, something like that. Um, but, you know, there's been, you know, plenty of 40 mile days here and there. So now we're just going to string them together. You know, if, if one 40 mile day wasn't enough, we'll just add several on top of that. Yeah. No, I love it. All right. Question. If you're feeling great at the end of in three days and, and you're like, yeah, I'm staying 40, 40, but you feel great. Are you going to take advantage of that? Or are you going to just shut it down for the day? You know, my goal is, um, yeah, is to kind of, is to, to shut it down and let's keep that. Let's not waste that on and let's keep that and let's, um, be thankful for that because at some point it's going to change. And if we're, we don't we don't need to rush that yeah no that's good I, yeah. i'm always curious like because because you know uh -huh. but like just back to the planning comment like you can plan all you want but sometimes yeah mm -hmm. it's not gonna work out do you, do you have a crew helping out yeah so i mean you'll know some of my crew um that you know rob and uh, joe um are gonna be crewing me my wife's on with me um i don't know if you know uh don from camp um Dustin and Mary are here from um, Bravo Alpha Foundation. You know, they're, yeah, I know um, all those guys. Yeah, and so I'm helping them raise um, funds. I mean, and they what they do is they sponsor veterans to go to things like Band of Runners and um, um, you know, and other other events like their fast packing trips and and things like that. And so I'm helping him raise money to send more veterans to events so you know it just so they can get active right and, and start breaking through or maybe they don't have stuff to break through really you know who knows yeah um, but so they can get around other folks and, and just better themselves right yep yeah. no i love many you know if the if the peripheral benefits are helping someone with ptsd amazing because that, that that's just life-changing for those guys but if the peripheral benefits are that you make friends and find connection and community uh that's amazing too so let's just take what we and can if get. i if i could say one last, you know definitely one last thing in the, in the the back side of this right is is i tell veterans all the time you know this you know we all have a story right and you know we don't have to continue to live our trauma that happened in the past right and, and and you know we we all get an opportunity to change the story somehow um you know it's up to us to take that pin and and start a new chapter and so for me this is you know an opportunity to 
you know, rewrite, you know, 17 years of, um, you know, a trauma anniversary. Yeah. And, and, and change that to, instead of being uh, worried about what September is going to look like each year, um, or instead of reacting poorly when September shows up, um, I will have at least this, you know, that I did something that hadn't been done that seemed impossible until it was done, you know, and, and, and yeah, you know, and so I, and I hope, you know, I'm sharing that because, you know, I, veteran or not, um, you know, that's what I would like to see, you know, people to see for me is that in spite of whatever cards you're dealt with, you know, you can, you don't have to accept that you can change, you know, it may not look like how you envision it, but you can change your story to the way that you're comfortable with it ending. Yeah. No, I love that. I love replacing negative things in life with some positive things that are yeah. hard, hard earned for sure. Um, yeah. Good luck out there, man. Say hi to everybody that's out there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If you guys are listening, unbridledrunning.com, check out bandofrunners.com. What's Dustin? Is it, uh, what's his uh, Bravo Alpha Foundation? Bravo and then, Alpha. you know, you could, uh huh, Bravo Alpha Foundation. And then you can see um, all links to all of those that you just mentioned. Uh, mentioned on philruns.com if you oh, just perfect. google phil philruns.com all, all of them are there um, perfect. and then you know it's a little pledge it site there you can pledge per mile if you'd like if you could oh, give five cents a mile that that kind of equals and i do all 440 some miles it'll be uh 22 22 dollars oh that's cool um yeah. all right uh names friends Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I think, you know, one of the, you know, my biggest, um, well, the one that comes to mind right now is, is um, you know, one of my soldiers, his name was Alfred Arachaga, and uh, he, um, he immigrated from Cuba. Uh, and um, this was one of the ways that he uh, got his citizenship was by joining the military. And, um you know, I, and I, you had a lot of, lot of, uh, lot of guilt um, that I wasn't there when, when he, when he passed, and uh, so that's, uh, you know, something I had to learn and, and, and deal with and accept. And, and uh, the flip side is, you know, he had a, a great smile. He wasn't always the greatest person, but he had a great smile, and uh, you know, and so I get to. You know, I can, I can, you know, be, be this person that's depressed, right? Or I can try to, you know, uh, reflect some of that smile around. And so, yeah, so we'll try to remember him a little bit today. Awesome, man. Well, Phil, thanks for your service when you're active. Thanks for all the service that you continue to do for the community and the people around you. I'm going to be rooting for you this next week. I, I didn't see the forecast, but hopefully it's not too crazy hot out there and you can enjoy it. It doesn't look like it's going to be as hot as what I've been training in. So that that's a plus. Uh, yeah. Uh. Heck yeah, dude. Yeah. I, right. uh, I, I'm always looking at the weather for these events. You know, I have so many clients that, that are running. It was a hot summer. So hopefully you get a little reprieve out there and have fun and, and try to laugh, try to laugh as much as you heard out there. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Joseph Campbell says, find a place where there's joy inside and joy will burn out the pain. That's exactly. Oh, yeah. yeah. 
yeah and then when you're done man let's hop back on and talk about it let's talk uh, okay. i want to hear how it goes so um good luck out there yeah. thanks yeah